Welcome back to the Bad Game Cast. I'm Jake. I'm Jason. And this week we played Metal Gear Survive. Hey, that's how you say that, right? No, nailed it one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Cue the music. doing jason i'm here i've had a long day <laughs> you look like it <laughs> throwing tequila on there doesn't seem to be doing any favors no <laughs> no so yep we played uh, metal gear survive we are currently drinking tequila care to explain where alex is uh well I'm... there's nothing to explain alex is no longer with us May he rest in peace. We're drinking to his memory, which is why we're very drunk right now. <laughs> so, Metal Gear Survive, released in February of 2018. Developed and published by Konami. Other games released in 2018. Uh, God of War, Monster Hunter World, Dragon Ball Z, and Far Cry 5. Hey, what, uh, what came out in, like, fall of 2018? You got that list? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give me 10 minutes to Google it. <laughs> yeah, so this is the most recent game we've ever done. Yeah, we're uh, finally stepping into things that have come out in the last year. Hell, the last few months at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, it's pretty obvious. It's not like we're doing this the week it came out, because yeah, we're going to talk about the changes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is the first uh, Kojima-less... Metal Gear. So we should be outraged, right? Uh, I guess. Boo, no Kojima. Boo, Kojima. Wait, is that not? Nah, feels right. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's the big thing that a lot of people talk about in their discussing this game is the Konami-Kojima breakup. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's um, an official statement on what actually happened. I know it was a, a long buildup as uh, Konami, like, cut kojima studio in la and uh canceled pt and a bunch of shit but i don't think anybody knows what it is kojima did to piss him off no official word anyway yeah i think a lot of speculation is just kind of shrinking the company money saving measures it's easier to focus on pachinko machines which are basically guaranteed money so that whole thing is a uh, big hurdle for this game for people who actually care about the metal gear series i know uh jason you and i felt the same way going into it uh i'm not a fan of the metal gear series i don't care yeah i've uh, i think i've discussed on the podcast i played the first one and then i've seen the second one played um my siblings played it i didn't and then i haven't seen the rest of them so like i don't really have an attachment to the series i liked it well enough the one i played but See, I, I played through the first uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, not the first Metal Gear on the... That was a port of the NES, I think. Um, and I played half of the second one. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of them, like, I, I haven't played. There's been a couple I wanted to, like, uh, what is it? Revengeancing, just because it looked kind of fucking ridiculous. And <sighs> I heard so much great shit about uh, Phantom Pain. I wanted to check it out. But at the core of it, Metal Gear is a stealth game, and that is never my thing. I don't... That's why I stay away from the Assassin's Creed games, because I hate stealth gameplay. 
Uh, yeah, which I think is different about us is I'd much rather play stealth and strategy and that kind of stuff, whereas I hate most first-person shooters. Hmm. Yeah, see, if if you give me an option to sneak or go loud, I am throwing as much fire as possible every single time. I want people to know I'm coming. But I, I find that gameplay typically more engaging, whereas... Um, the combat challenge is more interesting to me than trying to sneak around and be undetected. Kind of depends on the uh, setup of the game and, like, the AI of the enemies and stuff. If they're actually interesting and, like, predictable, then I like that you can learn and build paths to get through things. The more, like, chaotic they are and, like, hard to figure out, it's... If they make it too hard to stealth and they make it too easy to Rambo then you just Rambo, because it's the path of least resistance. So, Deus Ex, 10 out of 10? Yeah. And we're done! Hey! Uh, or this game. Well, I, th- I think that's different, because our, our play styles were kind of different, because as much as I dislike stealth, that's what I generally did, and I know that... <laughs> Which is funny, because, yeah, I uh, went in screaming. Which uh, I suppose we can get to. <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk any more about the konami kojima situation because i don't think it's relevant to this as a game i think if you don't like what konami did as a company and you want to protest them as a company that is up to you but as a actual game whether it's enjoyable or not that comes down to the game so i for review purposes you have to divorce that even though it has metal gear in the title you have to look at a game on its own merits, not the surrounding bullshit with it. We're going to do our best to do that because we can, because we're not super attached to Metal Gear. And for us, it's fairly easy. So I guess, you know, uh, we start out with the beginning where you are. It's the wreck base. What the fuck is the name of the base? Mother base. Mother base. No, 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 no. You, you start with the character creation. Do you? Yes. I'm pretty sure they give you that cutscene first. No. They cutscene to Mother Base is all exploded and Good Luck is checking bodies. And they f- he looks into your casket and then uh, character creation. Okay. Okay. Boom. Yep. Fair play. So you get a cutscene of just like Mother Base is all explodey and there's a bunch of caskets on it. You, you get to look at it and you're like, wow, this game looks good. Surprise. It's um, a game released in 2018 with a realistic-looking aesthetic. It looks really good uh, by a major developer and publisher. The Fox Engine, which this game uses, is really nice. Yeah, it is. So you get um, exploded base, faceless soldiers, shoving caskets into the water for a burial at sea, uh, dollar store Lawrence Fishburne going around checking corpses because yep. reasons. His name is Good Luck, which I already said. And he's just staring at corpses. This one, no. This one, no. This one, yeah. Character creation. I had some issues with the character creation. And they give you plenty of presets. And you can adjust uh, pretty much everything. For an in-depth character creation you would expect in 2018, it's, it's pretty solid. And Yeah, when you could start moving your, like, eyebrow height as well as, like, forward backwardsness i was like this is weird 
and I don't really want to make a character that looks insane. I kind of want to. What? See, because that's what I went with. As soon as I started Justin Sliders, I'm like, let's make us a monster. And you nearly succeeded. I did. Yeah. With the character creation, you get to pick a name. So my character was Chocolate Puma. And he looks like he belongs in a set of the 1960s uh, Planet of the Apes. It's amazing. He, he does. I was Lion Bazaar, which Bazaar is in B-A-Z-A-R, a place to buy lions. <laughs> An open air market of lions, if you will. <laughs> but I was surprised in uh, cutscenes, which feature your created character. Like, even though I made this weird looking monstrosity, it looked really good even in the cutscenes. Yeah, I know. Uh, you still are like, wow, this is really well done. Yeah. And like... You look weird, but you still look, at least to me, your character looked weird, but still looked, I don't know, enough in-world that it wasn't, like, completely game-breaking to see him. It was goofy enough that every cutscene where you can see his face, I would bust up laughing, because he just looks out of place as shit, but, yeah, like, it was rendered well. So then you get another couple cutscenes. You get that stupid, I I hate this cutscene. Oh, the best cutscene in the game? Where it's like a security desk. So it's nine boxes that all have different, like, hallways. Yeah, it's, uh, should be nine different video feeds, but one of them's out, so there's only eight. But they're tilted, so it's like you're in the room. Yeah, like your nameless security guard watching this. Yeah. And the refresh rate on the screens is, what, once every five seconds or so? Yeah, so, like, you'll see a guy... And then he'll teleport down the hallway. But you can hear the steps. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. And then he goes into a room with good luck and good luck starts just exposition dumping. Because this whole... Okay, how long did it take for you to get through those first cutscenes? I don't know. I know uh, once good luck starts going on on his Dante rants, it felt so much longer. It took me, I think it was like 45 minutes to finally get to the base. The cutscenes, I don't think, took quite that long. But again, I'm not sure. Because that includes a brief gameplay section. and like. I want to say at the get-go, you've got about 20 minutes of uh, strapping because it's movie time. So this whole first part is them doing their damnedest to shoehorn this into the Metal Gear universe. And which is an issue a lot of people have, and I have for different reasons, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I can't say, having not played the Phantom Pain, uh, Metal Gear 5, I don't know where this fits in with the rest of the Metal Gear timeline, which is weird. I know it opens with a pseudo-historical story, or, uh, oh, Jesus, how do they word it? Uh, pseudo, I, I know they say pseudo-historical, yeah. And, like, I almost stopped right there. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? It's nearly history? Wink. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... As the game progresses, and as you get to the, uh, the other uh, world, basically, I felt that the need for us to be a part of the Metal Gear universe was really dumb. I get that the reason they did it is to sell copies. Yeah, that easy IP tie-in to... It has Metal Gear in its name, so some people are just going to buy it because of that. Uh, Which I think is lame, because maybe it could have been worked in better, but it just felt like there was no need for it to be 
a part of the Metal Gear universe at all. Well, without a reference point, I don't know how many Metal Gear references there are throughout the whole thing. I mean, same, but... And there's a couple glaring ones, but... Yes, which I felt were kind of dumb. Yeah, and it doesn't really make sense, but it's pseudo-historical, so whatevs. Uh, so your character is dead and then not dead, because you're brought back to life by this evil infection. Yes, an alien parasite. That instead of killing you, kept your body in suspended animation for six months. Also, uh, your arm was missing and it grew back, so you're welcome. Which makes sense, given future details. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, this plot's going to be weird to talk about because it is kind of weird and dumb. But we'll we'll do our best. It's kind of like they're trying to channel Kojima because... Um, I've seen plot descriptions of Metal Gear games, and they go kind of wacky, but like it works for those. And this doesn't have that same, I don't know, like spirit, and it just feels uh, shoehorned and weird. Yeah, it gets kind of wacky and weird, but then like it doesn't really feel like it's doing it originally or organically. So you end up going through a wormhole. Right, because uh, Good Luck sits you down, and he says, uh, hey... Uh, there's another dimension. That's where the infection is. You're going to go over there. Uh, you're going to try and stop the infection. If you go, that's the only way to do it. Uh, otherwise, it's going to kill you. I'd love to answer your questions, but we don't have the time. See you. Bye. Because the higher ups don't want good luck to send you. Because reasons. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. So good luck throws you through a wormhole and you end up in detail. And good luck messages you while the wormhole is open that says, hey, up ahead, there's a base, a former base of the Sharon Corps. Oh, you motherfucker. The Karen Corps? <laughs> I told you, I don't play with audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good luck. Uh, loves him some uh, Dante Alighieri. And this is nothing but uh, Inferno references in your face, down your throat, right up front. It's brutal. Your mission is to try and figure out what happened to the missing Karen Corps, the group of soldiers that went ahead before you. Hopefully stop the infection that's spreading through you. All your mission is to acquire all the data that they had, because supposedly they had a way to stop your infection. Uh, If any of them are alive, rescue them, and then open the wormhole and get home. You're in uh, D-Tay. D-Tay. Which is hell. Uh, technically, Dite is the city that surrounds Lower Hell, according to Dante. But we'll just call this whole place fucking Dite because reasons. And uh, the first thing you have to do is get to base. Tiny tutorial section! Which, I mean, basically is. You, you go, they teach you that you can run, you can climb. Uh, you enter a building. Other soldier dude. What's his name? Reeve. Other soldier dude. So, I didn't realize this, uh, again, having not played uh, Phantom Pain. Uh, he's an XOF soldier. Yeah, he's on, he's on the other side. Automatically doesn't trust you. What with you being on the other side? Which I thought was FOX, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely naming conventions. Whatever. But you realize that uh, you both have bigger fish to fry as you're attacked by the first wanderer you see. Zambies. Yep, they are zombies with, uh, instead of the top, what, 
three quarters of their head. Uh, it's just a lower jaw and a giant orange spike. Yeah, it's like orange red. I get. And then you get a tutorial on uh, sneaking around, which the uh, zombies can see in here for some reason, even though there's a spike for a head. The spike can see in here. What do you want? Uh, eyes and ears. Yeah, but the spike does that. Sure. <laughs> Again, it's just tutorial stuff. You get a sneak. They teach you that uh, zombies will attack you. Surprise. If you are loud, then it'll call zombies to you. It's a zombie game. These are zombies. This is how you fight them. You can backstab them. Uh, they give you a gun. You kill a few. You run. Uh, and then they take the gun from you abruptly. Which is fine because you have a painfully low amount of ammo anyway. Sure. And then uh, you're trying to figure out, oh my god, how do I get past these guys? And Reeve saves you. Because Reeve is best. Yeah, he's like, all right, I realize that we are on opposite sides of the fight on Earth, um, but everything is dead and those are zombies. So right now, I'm going to work with you because we're both alive. (laughs) Because Reeve is the only one that makes sense. He plants some explosives, right? Yep. As you uh, book your way over to the base. Right here, as you're running around, you really get to know your stamina meter, which is based on how thirsty you are. Thirst. In this game, you have to constantly juggle a hunger and thirst meter. And oxygen, later. Oxygen, eventually, yeah. You have to eat food and drink water in order to keep your meters up, and if your hunger and thirst are both at 100%, then you have a full health bar and full stamina bar. But the more... As long as they're both over 90%. Is it 90? Yep. The more hungry and thirsty you are, it lowers your max amount of HP and available stamina. Yeah, it won't actually lower your HP or stamina. But if you lose HP or stamina, it won't regen above that point. So if you go like down to a hunger of 5%, you don't have 5% of your hit points. You'll still have all of your hit points. But if you nearly die, you won't regenerate hit points until you get your food hunger under control. You get to the base, and then that's where... Oh, fuck. Yep. You get to the base, and you're greeted by a flying trash can named Virgil. (laughs) That's right. Virgil. I forgot about Virgil for the briefest of moments. (laughs) And I was happy. Uh, Virgil is a split personality AI who... Good luck basically gives his very, his last, like, communication here. He's like, oh, the wormhole's closing, so I can't talk to you anymore. But I see Virgil's up and running. Virgil, take it from here. And Virgil's like, great, Captain, you're in charge. I'm gonna help you with your mission. And Reeve is like, our mission's to go home. And Virgil's like, well, the Captain has other missions. You can sit right down. (laughs) Virgil explains that your mission parameters are to find the missing information of the Karen Corps, collect Kuban energy. Cuban energy? How do you pronounce that? Kuban energy. Cuban energy. It's K-U-B-A-N. Cuban. <laughs> yep. Cuban energy. And, uh, I don't know, rescue people if you find them. Oh, right. They, at some point during the massive monologue of uh, stupid stuff at the beginning mentioned that uh, the Cuban energy from these Zambos is a great power source. It doesn't say how, just that it is. And go. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, also, and uh, I don't know if you cut. Ca- well, I, I know you didn't catch this. The uh, eight Virgil's split personalities. One, the main one is a female voice. The pink one. Yep, and the other one is a male voice. The blue one. And Virgil does this fun thing where it argues with itself, <laughs> which is. Um, no, no, I made it to about here after. The first meeting Virgil is when I turned off all the sound. I get that. Because at that point, when I started, when you first actually start really into the game, all all of those annoying, Captain, take care of your oxygen. Captain, take care of your hunger. I, I was not about that. <laughs> so you've met Virgil and now you basically just kind of go from there. The first thing Virgil has you do is go and collect a memory board from a base that's not far up. You go, there's some wanders, which are the uh, Zambos. You, uh, I don't know, backstab a few, avoid them, grab the memory board, piss off right back to base. Uh, This is where I learned the joys of fence. I crafted a single fence to go with my spear, and then I went to their base, and I summoned the fence, and I pissed them off, and they all ran towards the fence, and I just stabbed them. And you just stab right through the fence. Yep. Because fences are your best friend in this game. Oh, fences are amazing. It's nice that they uh, coded in that fences, if you are stabbing or shooting through them, they don't exist. It's not even that, like, you might accidentally hit one of the chains in the chain link fence. They're just not there for the purposes of shooting weapons. So you don't have to worry about taking down your own equipment. Because there's no reason why if you have a spear, you couldn't just stab through a fence. You can do that. Or if you have a gun. Just shoot through the goddamn thing. Yeah. So that's uh, nice. And as you said, fences become your best friend because uh, the zombies will pile up on it. And then whether you're using the spear or later, probably the bow, it's just a great way to clear out enemies. If you're actually going to sit and play this game, you get the bow. You use the bow. Uh, Yeah, because as you get the better and better bows, they are some of the best weapons in the game. And they don't really run out of ammo almost ever. And they quickly outpace the spears. Oh, which, yeah. I used a spear for a decent portion of this game. I like the spears, but dapodo. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. You get that memory board. I don't remember what it does. You get another thing. You get another thing. The first memory board you get gives you the recipe to craft the air tank. Ah, so then the next thing is to go get the broken air tank? Yes. Which is needed for crafting your own air tank. So let me rephrase that. The memory board gives you the location to go get the broken air tank. It's basically the same thing. You go get the broken air tank, and I'll let you... Because you could have already wandered into uh, the dust. Jason, what is the dust? The dust is a sentient life form. Oh, wait, no. Hang on. That's not true yet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The dust is dust. It's basically like a sandstorm. That is what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. It reduces your visibility. You need an oxygen tank, and your stamina drops faster as you move through it. Which also covers, what, like 80, 90% of the map? Because you find clear zones, but they're not very big. Probably about 80%. You get an oxygen tank, so you can explore the dust. So, as you're going around, what's in the dust? A lot of zombies. It's where most of them hang out. As you go around, you stumble across, uh, there's the lone wanderer, uh, shuffling around in the dark by himself, or, uh, the occasional group of zombies wandering around together. As you go around, wormholes will randomly open up and drop crap, which attracts 
any zombies in the area and they just like rush towards whatever the sound is. The uh, clear zones that you stumbled across, generally water sources, uh, vegetation that grows there that you can pick up, and animals, uh, a lot of goats, which you can uh, kill and harvest for food, or um, do you find any... No, you don't find any horses here. I don't, I don't know. You have goats and then like wolves or jackals that are hanging around that will attack you, which you can take out fairly easily and then cut the meat off them. Yep, animals and plants are your food sources, basically. There are plants that are also first aid sources to craft first aid kits type stuff. And then water is obviously your main uh, liquid source. By the end of the game, I was actually drinking a lot of milk. Were you? Yes. I never used it. I had a lot of goat pens, so they constantly gave me milk. I had a couple by the end, and I... I never used it. I would just... We'll get to it. As you're wandering around the dust, which, as you said, uh, visibility was certainly lowered quite a bit, uh, there are bright lights off in the distance. I know how to say bright. That's a word. Depending on the light, there are... What are they? Like white, blue lights? Yeah. Which signify crates that the Karen Corps left. This is so dumb. When they found stuff, they decided to just throw them in crates that are kind of dumb to open, and if you fuck up, it pisses off all the zombies nearby. The loudest goddamn thing in existence. And it slows you down, and it's really dumb. When you find one, you now have a minigame. It's a lock-picking minigame, where you have to uh, move the slider within a certain area as it moves to the 100% mark, and they... Easy, normal ones are not bad. Even the hard ones, they're not difficult as soon as you get the pattern down. Basically. Like, once I opened enough of them, it was really easy. The first time, I didn't even know how to do it, because it didn't bother explaining it. (laughs) No, it just gives it to you. Have fun. What I find funny is that it has this whole, right, lockpicking minigame. When it doesn't feel like they need it, at no point does any wanderer ever try to gather materials. It does give you the pop-up, maybe the first one that you come across, where it tells you you can attempt to open it, and if that's going to draw too much attention, you can beat it up until you break it. But if you do that, it gives you less materials. I didn't even know that. I never bothered, because opening them up isn't an issue. Because as you're doing the minigame, if you fuck up, the lock, as you're attempting to open it, moves super slow, and it makes this loud screeching sound, which draws everything's attention. Yeah. However, you can just cancel out and start over. Oh, how did canceling work for you? You want to talk about the controls real quick? I want to talk about the controls uh, for like a half an hour. Okay. So I started playing with a mouse and keyboard. Yep. The right way to play games. Right. And it (laughs) felt wrong. It is in this game. The control setup doesn't make sense. And I get why. Because when I uh, changed to a PS4 controller... Uh, even though the game would only recognize an Xbox controller. Yep. Uh, although I'm used to the different setup, so the different button prompts didn't bother me. Uh, the game felt so much better on a controller, which is, what, the opposite of uh, most games where, like, they try and shoehorn a keyboard's worth of stuff and onto a controller for ports, whereas this one felt built for a controller and the keyboard setup was weird. There are multiple times where it felt like things that should be mapped to keys weren't so like you just 
there were keys that were never used that you thought, hey, maybe this would be useful, but they never bother. And then very occasionally in this instance, uh, stop lockpicking was mapped to escape, which escape is also bring up the menu. So if you hit escape, it would bring up the menu. Damn. As you let go of the thing. And then you'd have to hit escape again to close the menu. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) On a PS4 controller, it tells you to hit B, which would be circle. Yeah. And so you could just stop at any time. Easy peasy. So, like, what I mean by the controllers felt weird, or the uh, the controls felt weird on a keyboard, you can't bring up the map on its own. Like, hit M. You can't bring up your inventory. Hit I. You have to hit tab and then go over to the map to look at the map. Or hit tab. And then press enter on the inventory screen to actually look at your inventory. Yeah. That weird UI is the same on a controller, but it's less to go through, I guess, where you hit the, uh, for me, it was the right side of the touchpad to bring up the menu. Mm-hmm. So, like, that wasn't that bad. But the fact that playing on a keyboard, you don't have those hotkeys doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's the issue is that M M isn't mapped to anything. You sit there and you're like, map, M, nothing happens. They don't even bother using the key. Why? It's not that hard. But like, so if you go into uh, the settings to change the controls, there is no option for open the map because that's not set to anything. So like the game doesn't even give you the option to do that. Yeah, because it's something they didn't bother to implement. So it's not that it's not, it's not an option. So it's not that it's not hotkeyed to anything. It's not a thing you can, which is so dumb. Uh, the other big one I have a complaint about is changing ammo types. See, not that bad on a controller. I have no idea what that's like on a keyboard because... You didn't get far enough into the game yeah. where you had multiple ammo exactly. types. Um, so if you hit 1, 2, 3, 4, that's how you switch between your things. 1 switches between your primary weapons, 2 switches between your secondary weapons, 3 and 4, your gadgets. Okay. Uh, two, so you hit 1, that will, like usually brings up your main. You have two primary weapons. Um, well, you can have two primary weapons. You could have more with an expansion slot. You can get three. Right. So, you know, that'll say bring up your bow. To switch between, like, fire ammo or whatever, because you got normal arrows, fire arrows, heavy arrows. Yeah, you get a uh, bunch of... You uh, get magic a variety arrows, of what you can do. Grenade arrows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you hold one. So instead of tapping it, you hold it, which is already kind of weird. Because if you tap it, it switches to the other weapon. So you have to press and hold one, and then that will bring up a display that shows both of your weapons and then your ammo type. And then while you're holding one, you hit, what is that, Q and E? Oh, really? Yes, to shift between ammos. Jesus. (laughs) Who the fuck designed that? Let me tell you how it is on a D-pad. Your gadgets are left and right, or on the controller, the D-pad is how you change it. The gadgets are left and right. Um, You can bring up a wheel if you hold left or right. Uh, The same thing with your weapons on up and down. Up is your primary weapon, down is your secondary weapon. You can hold it to bring up the wheel to quick switch, or if you tap it, you'll cycle through it. On the weapon that you have selected, if you hold up for your primary weapon, you can hit X to change. It's um, easy, and it's not intuitive because it takes some learning, but it's simple. So it uses the same exact system, 
It's just really weird on a keyboard. Definitely not designed for a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. I I was annoyed by that. I still play it on a keyboard the whole time because that's what I do. Well, like, I was on the keyboard and I changed to a controller just to see how it felt. And it irritated me that it wouldn't recognize it was a PS4 controller. So it kept giving me all the button prompts for an Xbox, which, yeah, PC, fine. I get it. It should recognize that it's not what's plugged in, but it worked. And, like, as I used it, it felt so much better. Why would I go back to the keyboard? Any game where I have to aim a gun, I I just want a mouse. I get that. I do. But the combat's not that uh it's not a like reflex shooter you don't you've got time and i've put plenty of time into uh shooters on console so like i'm used to the gunplay with a controller and so it it wasn't that bad sure Uh, so as you're wandering through the dust uh you've got the white lights which are the crates which we (laughs) just uh rambled off on you've also got green lights off in the distance which are the transporters yeah which you can't activate until they tell you to True, but there are nine of them spread throughout the map that you can go to uh, eventually once you yeah. unlock the ability to. As you're exploring through the map, your oxygen depletes. Uh, because yes. if you're out of oxygen, being in the dust, breathing hurts you. Because <laughs> why wouldn't it? Uh, and you can spend uh, Cuban energy, you're welcome, to repair your, or to replenish your oxygen. However, doing so hurts your oxygen tank so you have to repair it yep but if you can find the green glowing dots off in the distance there's a it's basically a teleporter takes you back to home base yeah i think it uh, should be mentioned here that on your map when you are in unexplored territory you don't have access to where you are so when you pull up the map you'll be a little arrow which Obviously shows where you are and which direction you're facing. Mm-hmm. But when you're in unexplored territory in the dust, you don't show up on the map. That's something I really liked. Yeah, no, it's just worth noting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only way to get where to fully flesh out the map. Uh, let me like think about the words I'm going to say before I just open my goddamn mouth. No, no, talk. <laughs> The only way to flesh out the map is to go out and explore, basically get lost, and then get your way back to home base. Because as soon as you're at home base, where you were, the map fills out. Mm-hmm. So as you go to the different teleporters, you're at the teleporter, you go back to home base, the path that you took, bam, you can suddenly see. So if you go back, you've got access to the map, you can uh, change your waypoint, which you can't do if you're in unexplored areas, and then uh, go around from there. Also, as you're wandering around, you come across different settlements. Anywhere there's a teleporter, you can pick up uh, basic crafting materials. Uh, iron, wood, and copper, etc. There's a whole bunch of stuff, which we'll get into in a bit. What I think is interesting is if you're out, you're out collecting shit because exploration is a large part of this game. When you die, you've been out, you run out of oxygen, you get overrun by some wanderers. You get two options. Return from last save which just takes you back to your last save. The game auto-saves fairly frequently. Yep. So you never lose that much progress. Or return to base camp. Did you ever do the return to base camp option? No. Why would I? Because. And I did this once uh, because I didn't know this is what it did, and it was freaking awesome. So what happens is, uh, if you're out collecting a bunch of materials, so you got a bunch of shit, and you die, if you hit the return to base camp option, what it does is in... um, 
Souls game kind of fashion, it leaves all your shit on the map. All you have to do is go and pick it up. That's not bad. No, it's really nice if you spent a whole long time going out just grinding out for materials. Yeah, I never bothered. Uh, the only times I really died, I never felt like it was relevant for me to do that. I was just to reload from save because I bounced back and forth between main base a lot just to hit trigger those autosaves and dump off the stuff I was carrying. Oh, yeah. yeah. So never really an issue there was only one time i did that that i had to and um like i'll talk about it when we get there sure uh which we should run forward really quickly because uh we've actually been talking a while already and we're basically nowhere well thankfully the next bit should go pretty quick i hope so because uh right now we keep talking about things that are really boring well yeah we're talking about systems that are in the game right now like is we continue through the story. There's not that much story right here. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the story, but uh, I don't think we need to break down exactly how a survival game works. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, you continue with the story. You get a nurse character. Miranda, yep. Yeah. I don't know if she's supposed to come off across as a sexy nurse or not, because Reeve's all about it. Reeve is all about it, but... The, it is what the seventies uh, when you're supposed to be playing. That's the I think so. The time. So she's got a you know like old fashioned nurse outfit, which you just take as sexy because you're sexist. You're not wrong though. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you get the cop or the cripple first? You get the cripple first. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one you save is a uh, little kid who is wheelchair bound. Yeah, uh, Spaghetti Leg's name is Chris. <laughs> Dude, I don't care about his name. <laughs> uh, he's the crippled master hacker. What do you want? Yeah, so it's 1970-something. He's a little crippled black kid, and he's amazing with computers. Amazing. So where did he learn that? I don't know, but he hacks into Virgil. Yeah, the AI that's sophisticated enough to have a split personality what yeah kids just like i got this well um before we get away from systems i think we have the last major one to hit because once you get miranda and chris you can start setting teams at your base which is really when the base development comes into play yeah so now you can actually build out your base a lot more and like have people run things for you to increase their like output yeah, because it's a sur- because it is a survival game at this point, you can start making farms, water collectors, stations to craft gear and shit. Yep, those are all. It's really where the automation of the survival comes in. Basically, as you get more people, you can assign them to different areas. They'll help the farm. They'll uh, what else is there? Base defense, base going and getting shit. There is... Give me a second. <laughs> One! Okay, so we're not talking about that anymore. So... Uh, all the teams you eventually get are <laughs> the uh, base development team, the food supply team, the medical team, base defense team, and exploration team. And uh, we can go into what those do, but... Nope. It's whatever. They do st- They do basically what they say. and Yeah, and more... they give you different bonuses for having X amount of people in them. Then your next, like, story mission is to pick up just more people who the next one, the next story one, which sometimes you get distress signals that are not story people. 
like this is where I started to acquire other random people. Yeah, you get the distress signals where you go pick up a person that has gone through a wormhole, ended up in detail, and you you find somebody passed out in the dust somewhere, surrounded by wanderers. You go pick them up, you take it to a transporter, right back to base. But they don't count. Yeah, because you don't see them in the story; they're not important. However, they were integral into running your freaking base. Yeah, so it's kind of mean uh, that, like, when this next thing happens, and then, like, they don't show up, and I'm like, what? Also, everyone you save is part of the, is that FOX? Because they all have the stupid naming convention. Uh, no. They are from all over. Because you come across some people that are FOX, but some of them that are XOF. Oh, okay. They all have the stupid naming convention, though. Yes. So... If you don't know the naming convention, it's uh, a word of, I don't know if it has to be anything. A descriptor, like an adjective or... And then an animal. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite person I picked up was Bloody Osprey, because uh, Bloody Osprey was a badass. That's a sick-ass name. Yeah, he mine. was also great at killing people. Mine was uh, Killer Husky, which was the same way. Uh, she kicked so much ass, and I loved her. And I don't know about you, but I came up with backstories for all of my crew in my own head. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, because it gave you, like, their a brief description of them and then, like, what they were in the past if you wanted to try to use that to, like, figure out where to put them. So, like, the farmer, obviously, I put in charge of food development. Oh, see, I paid no attention to what it is they used to do because I randomly assigned them. Randomly assigned them where uh, they're going to be now. It's your new life slave. Welcome to the camp. No, I, I tried to match them up with things I thought they might be good at just because I was hoping the game would give me bonuses for it. It didn't appear to, so. Besides the major ones like uh, Miranda, who you, as the nurse, you're putting in charge of the medical team. Yeah. I mean, in charge, in quotations, because there's no one that's in charge because it's just you, the captain. Yes, but you're in charge. You put her on the medical team because why wouldn't she be there? But... There are certain people that give bonuses to the team that they're on. Like, uh, Reeve has bonuses to base defense or exploration. Mm -hmm. uh, Miranda has bonuses to the medical team. Chris has bonuses to the uh, food, I believe. But that's because it's all he can do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so then you get uh, El Capo. I forget his name. Nick. Nick is a cop. I freaking hate Nick. Who loves cooking and is peppy. Oh my god, um, yeah, he is. Yeah, Nick's the worst. <laughs> he He's just the eternal optimist in a world filled with zombies and death, but he sucks. He does. He's so fucking cheerful. It's so goddamn irritating. And, like, I'm not sure if he's supposed to be considered, like, comic relief, because what he say is, like, borderline funny. But you also have Virgil, the split personality AR that argues with itself, which is actually funny. I wanted to choke him. Yeah, it feels weird at every turn when they're all discussing things during cutscenes and stuff. And he's like trying to be peppy. And then Miranda's like, we got to save people and do good. And Reeve's like, we have to get out of here. This place is death. And one, your character never actually speaks in these. So, yeah, uh, it feels weird in that regard. But then in the other regard is they all should do what you say because you're the only one who goes out into the dust. Yeah. The only reason why you, they have anything is because you, the captain, goes out to get it. Yeah. 
you come back with a whole crap ton of materials and vegetables for them to grow. And you're like, here's stuff. Try not to die. And they're like, oh, we have opinions, too. And I'm like, I don't care <laughs> if zombies attack. What are you going to do? I'm going to kill them all. Uh, so after you get the cop is when you finally move to opening the wormhole. You don't hear from good luck anymore. You hear from his boss, Gruen. Yes. Once you open the wormhole, it, it's a weak wormhole, small little wormhole, but it allows you c- to establish uh, communications with Earth again. And you meet Gruen, who is not evil. Gruen's evil. And it's, um... <laughs> Gruen is totally see-through evil. Yeah. They, they pretend like he's trying to help you, but I don't think you could fall for it. No. He comes on, hey, uh, good luck's off the mission. Uh, I'm totes gonna help you now. Uh, open up wormhole and I'll see what you get here. No. God, what was it? It was like... Uh, you could ignore Good Luck's mission to get all the data. Our primary mission is to get you back. So. The way that it's delivered, though, it kind of makes sense because he tells you uh, what Good Luck did wasn't sanctioned by anyone. He just went off and did it himself. So their primary mission is to just get you and anyone that you found home because this is bullshit. He shouldn't have subjected you to that. On paper, that's how it comes off. Like, that's what he's trying to tell you. But it feels wrong. Which is interesting. So, again, I don't get any of the voice acting because I turn off the audio. So I just get the words, the exact words. So the way the words come off is, this man is evil. Oh, no, no. Like, he says it in um used car salesman sort of way. <laughs> so, like, the words he's saying, you get what he's going for, but that isn't how it comes across at all. <laughs> yeah. So the guy who is transparently evil, but you don't really get a choice. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So he tells you in order to open up a wormhole to get back home, you need to crank the wormhole digger that you acquired to open up a wormhole to get back home to 100 fucking percent. And Virgil's like, we don't got to do that. That's not how that works. And Gruen's like, nah, Toads, that's what you need to do. And so your team consisting of Reeves, the cripple, Miranda and Nick all argue about it. And even though they say that you're the one that makes the decision, they talk amongst themselves and make the decision for you. Yep. Because you're a silent protagonist who has nothing to do, I guess. A hundred percent. And they decide to go along with Gruen, even though Virgil, who's been with you since day fucking one, is like, don't do that. Oh, also, again, anyone else you've saved gets no choice in the matter. No, uh, background characters got a background. They're not in the conversation. Yeah, what up? <laughs> so you, you crank it to maximum and then the zombies come and so you do a base defense. Uh, after you do the base defense, the Lord of Dust starts to wander towards you. So the Lord of Dust is a giant, I don't know, old school dragon looking motherfucker. It is huge. It has uh, many different body sections with legs that come down to walk, but it's like a long spine that connects them. Um, because you've only seen it in the dust up to this point, you don't have a like good sense of the size of it. You know it's big. Yeah, other than gigantic. Yeah, but you can't really tell how big it is. And this time, you open up the wormhole and it starts coming at you, and you can really appreciate how fucking huge this thing is. Yeah, Lord of Dust. 
gigantic being that like controls the dust is the dust hard to tell because at this point you don't know it is the lord of dust that's all you get yeah so he starts wandering towards you uh you run up to the wormhole yeah your base is outside of erect mother base uh because alternate dimension bullshit and you have to run up to get there, and you have to take the cripple boy with you because, I mean, he's crippled, you gotta go up a bunch of stairs. Yeah. So, uh, everyone in the base, by everyone I mean the uh, named characters, Yep. run off, you grab Chris, and you take off to to the wormhole. You don't see anybody else go through, but you, I guess you assume they do. Uh, meanwhile, you're slowed down because you're carrying the cripple boy. Run up all these stairs because uh, Mother Base is an oil rig, right? I mean, Something that's like that. What it looked like. Yeah. Uh, an oil rig that's suddenly in the desert, and you've got all these stairs to run up. Meanwhile, this giant monstrosity is uh, attacking you with its weird fucking arms, and you like have to try and dodge. I mean, it doesn't like attack you directly because it's so big; it just attacks the area you're in. I did enjoy when it reaches out at you. And then a second hand, like, shoots out of its elbow and, like, folds over on itself yeah. to extend its arm. Like, it's and, not going to reach, so it's like, uh, yeah. And then it smashes into the ground, and you're like, this is one bizarre monster. Yeah, I really like the creature design. Uh, for the Lord of Dust, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy and terrifying. Yeah, it is uh, an otherworldly monster-looking motherfucker, and it's kind of awesome. And I like how he kills wanderers. Oh, how he just eats wanderers because... Yeah, when he's... Because you can run into him out in the dust, and when you do, he... If he runs into wanderers, he'll just eat them and just, like, crush them, and he pays no attention to their existence. Yeah, the first time that I ran into him, because there's a story mission where it forces you to run into him, where he pays no mind to you whatsoever because you were fucking nothing next to the Lord of Dust. There, I was running along, you come out of some ruins, and there was six bombers. Uh, bombers being the first variant of Wanderers that you find. Uh, bombers, as you might guess, um, just fucking explode. They're these big bulbous-looking motherfuckers. And uh, I run along, and I find six of them, and I'm like, fuck. And out of nowhere, a head comes down. Well, a head is just like a fucking giant hole. Gaping maw. The gaping maw of the Lord of Dust just sucks them all up, takes its head up, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> so the first thing I do is attempt to attack it, because I'm dumb. Mm -hmm. I do literally no damage. It stomps its foot and nearly kills me, so I just fuck off. Yeah. Whoop, I guess I'm done here. Because you can't hurt the Lord of Dust. You manage to carry the cripple up Mother Base to the wormhole to jump through it and assumedly go home, right? You go home, Jason, right? Yep. You jump through. You go home. Game is over. Hooray! Oh, wait. No. Uh, you go through the wormhole. Uh, does Virgil follow you through the wormhole? Yes. Yes. Because he flies through the wormhole. And it closes behind you with the Lord of Dust sticking his hand just through the wormhole as it closes. You come out of the wormhole, Virgil comes out of the wormhole, and then is weird, like... The severed arm of the Lord of Dust falls out. Yeah, and immediately, before your characters realize it, you as a player realize you are still uh, on detail. Virgil starts playing tapes from Good Luck. Because uh, they, they everyone looks around, like, where are we? And, like, 
the camera is far enough away from the characters that you realize everything is in everything is rubble. Yeah. So you know you haven't gone anywhere. And then they look around some more and everything is rubble and destroyed. So surprise, you're still in detail. And that's when Virgil starts playing tapes from Good Luck. Take it away. <laughs> Good Luck, it turns out, uh, killed himself. Good Luck and all of his... Uh, how do I put it? His uh, hard-on for the works of Dante says that uh, he's in purgatory. Everything's going to be fine for him. Yeah, yeah. No, don't don't worry about him. He's in purgatory. Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I, I want to take a brief moment to talk about suicide and the works of Dante. You do you. I'm going to eat some Takis. Sure. So, uh, according to Dante, uh, those who commit self-murder are subjected to the seventh circle of hell, the wood of self-murderers. What happens to the wood of self-murderers, you might ask? Well, what happens is uh, those who committed suicide are uh, turned into a tree, which is filled in a a wood of um, other people who committed suicide that could only speak so long as one of their branches breaks, and only then to grieve anything that breaks it starts to bleed. The wood is infested by harpies that eats the leaves off the trees and makes nests in them. Another fun fact, um, during the final judgment, those who committed uh, self-murder, instead of returning to their own bodies, uh, you know, to come back, their body is uh, thrown into the tree that they now are and are stuck in hell for eternity forever out of grasp of the body that they once had because they gave it up according to dante hooray so how the fuck does this asshole think he's in purgatory don't like every religion ever look down on suicide pretty much yeah literally no one's cool with that good job good luck use a bitch Uh... so good luck goes on to say that uh gruen his boss was uh toad's a bad guy the whole time big shock And that uh, he wants to use the Lord of Dust as an energy source. He wants to bring it back to Earth, where you're from, capture it and use it as an energy source. And he's like, that's dumb, and you're supposed to kill it. The Karen Corps went over there for the express purpose to kill the Lord of Dust because they knew it was a big, big issue. He goes on at this point to tell you (laughs) that the Lord of Dust uh, isn't some alien monstrosity. He is... uh, collection of medical nanomachines from the future that humans created is this when you get all this bullshit yes all right good yeah this is a hard story dump in the second act when it totally fucks you the lord of dust is a combat a giant mass of nanomachines which were designed by humans so detail is actually the future it's yep. not a parallel universe it's the future uh wormholes travel through space or time not space apparently it is, yes, a collection of nanomachines designed for medical purposes, which is why the whole previous, they kept you alive that whole time, makes sense, is, that's what they do. Yep. And apparently, after so many years of being nanomachines, they basically grew a, I, like, sentient thought. Yeah, they grew a uh, collective consciousness and started banding together, which is why... When they take over a person, they give off energy because as they collect, they give off the Cuban energy. And the Lord of Dust is the largest amalgamation of all of that energy. Yes. Which, man, it brings so many questions. 
Is the dust made of these nano machines? Yes. Okay. Then why doesn't it like immediately kill you? Why does it kill you at all? They're medical nano machines. Yeah, but if they have a like collected conscience, like the wonder should never be surprised by you being there. They should already know. Well, sort of. I guess there's a sort of weird symbiosis between the host and the nano machines. But like at least the very least the Lord of Dust should know where you are at all times. Yeah, I guess he I I hesitate to say he kind of does because nothing you do really bothers him until you open up the wormhole and he sees the giant pool of energy he can eat on and then hop back in time because that's what he does. The Lord of Dust gets to uh, time, feeds on uh, just the mass amount of energy that he gives off, opens up wormholes, and he feeds off the energy that comes out of it, the iris energy. Once an area is completely used up, he travels back to an earlier point in time to do the same thing. In doing so, Dite is stuck in this weird time loop. Yeah, no, this this is what the game says. That doesn't quite work because the nanomachines come from a time in the 22nd century. So there's only so much time he can hop back unless he's doing it like year by year, which kind of makes sense that he does it like slowly instead of coming back to an earlier time because if he comes back and fucks shit up, then he can't like go back to a point in the future because then everything's fucked up and used up, I guess. Yeah, it's, again, it it's another game playing loose with time. Yeah. And it, if your being itself gives off uh, wormholes, it just throws out fucking wormholes and they provide energy that you feed on. Why do you need to go back in time? I don't know. There's it's... so many questions about fucking time travel. Yeah. And like, how did they, how does he choose your time? And like, couldn't he just go back to an even earlier time? What? How many time loops have you gone through? What is... Uh... So the game tells you that uh, he's stuck in a time loop. But that's all it gives you. It doesn't give you, like, a, a frame for that. Like, is there a, a certain time that he goes back to constantly? I guess. You don't know? Like, is he doing it, like, every one year? Ten years? Twenty years? It's the 22nd century. I mean, the way, uh, I guess I always imagine time travel work, if he was going to get to you eventually, he'd have been there now. So, he either shows up in the time that you exist in, or he never does because he can't for whatever reason. Yeah. But time travel's a complicated process. Which is why any plot involving time travel you should really uh, work on a lot. Which is why don't put time travel in your plots. Generally, yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, uh, you show up at this new place. You're at the uh, forward operating base in uh, Jungle, I guess. Yeah. Oh, right. They explain why the places are they are. is because this whole area is Earth. So the first area you were in was Afghanistan. Yep. And then this area is Africa. Yep. Dumb. Yeah. So that's why there was a ton of sand. It wasn't because everything is sand now. It's just you were in the desert. Sure. Whatever. Yep. Uh, there's jungle. You get a distress signal. You go to the distress signal. Like, I just, we need to finish this plot. It's dumb. Yeah. You, you go to the distress signal. There's two guys there. Uh, one of them threatening the other one with a shotgun. The guy with the shotgun, you scare off. You save the other guy. 
which one is the one you save? Seth. Seth. Seth is like, thanks. That guy's crazy. He killed everyone. And you're like, okay. So you bring him you're back. You're like, yeah, okay. Bring him back to your base. Uh, transparent villain got a transparent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's totally not a bad guy. Uh, the other guy contacts you, Dan. Yep. And he's like, uh, Seth is evil. And you're like, Seth's probably fine. <laughs> it's probably fun. You get, you do some other boring, like you grab some memory chips or something. You got some, uh, yep, memory boards that you have to hit and then some uh, transporters, which are base defense, and then a couple singularity runs. Seth tells you about the weapon that you need to kill the Lord of Dust, the uh, Sahelanthropus. Yep. Yep. Sahelanthropus. Is that how you say that? Yes. Sure. How did you say it? I didn't, because oh. remember, I only ever saw it as words. So to me, it looked like salamander random characters because I didn't ever bother. So the salamander yeah. uh, is, uh, oh, do you get the Metal Gear before? That's what the salamander is. It's a Metal Gear. Yep, the Sahelanthropus is 100% a fucking Metal Gear. Yeah. That's the only weapon that can kill Lord Dust. Uh, do you get that after you kill Seth? No, you get it before. Uh, so... What happens is he tells you where the weapon is to try and make good, I guess. You go use the digger to extract the oh, yeah. Sahelanthropus. Dan shows up and he's like, hey, Seth's evil. Don't listen to him. You start getting attacked by Wanderers because it's another base defense, which is basically what this game is. Mm-hmm. You're fighting off waves of Wanderers. Seth gets, or uh, Dan gets driven off by fucking Wanderers, which are already sad. You extract it back to base, and when you get back to base, it turns out, hey, Seth was a bad guy the whole time, and he took the cripple boy, and he's got him hostage. You need to go back to the original base alone. Uh, you're like, damn, this sucks. Dan then shows up and is like, uh, well, I have a way around that, because Seth has locked all of the other teleporters, yep, except for home base, and Dan's like, I can actually unlock those teleporters with some code that i have written but i don't have it on me you need to go get another memory board you go do that because why not yep it's a fetch quest everything's a fetch quest everything's a fetch quest and then uh, fetch quest and base defense you and reeve come up with a plan reeve's like hey i'm gonna go with you fuck this guy yeah don't worry about it reeve says i'm gonna go i'm gonna one of the other teleporters so i can scout you use the main teleporter and we're just gonna we're gonna take this guy yep uh, so when you show up, Reeve is in place. Yep. Uh, scouting out Seth. Seth's got a hold of Chris, who's pointing a gun at him. He villain monologues for a bit. Says that uh, he was a wormhole survivor that the Karen Corps took in. He was voluntarily infected by the dust, but instead of becoming a wanderer, got to retain his humanity. And that you, the captain, should be infected because you're already infected. Let it take over. Uh, as you succumb to that because, I don't know, he promises to let Chris go, which was never going to happen anyway, Reeve pops around a fucking corner, shoots him in the goddamn forehead, grabs a cripple boy, and runs off like a fucking boss. Yeah. So now you've got, like, uh, Seth with a massive hole in his head, and you're like, well, that went well. <laughs> yeah, that was easy. Uh, no boss fight. Seth gets back up and is like, Fine. Ah, dust powers activate. Yeah, he does a full-on Sailor Moon, turns into a giant mortar. Yep. Um, Which is one of the variants in the game. 
you uh, beat his bitch ass. Oh, man. That is not how it went for me. <laughs> so he turns into a variant type called a mortar, which, uh, true to its namesake, launches a giant projectile, which explodes uh, in a large arc. He also has this weird uh, machine gun thing that they do. Uh, where their arm uh, channels its inner Mega Man and just uh, shoots. And meanwhile, you're fighting in your original base. So anything you had set up, if you're not in the dead center of it, he is fucking your shit up. Mm-hmm. This fight took me, I don't know, 40 minutes thereabouts. Like, I I would attempt it. He would put me down. It's not a difficult fight, but, like, you have to play ring around the rosy with him with a shit in the middle. And he just takes a lot of punishment. Uh, nope. I went in and he was like, I am evil. So I shot him with a fire arrow and I threw like, uh, three grenades at his feet and he exploded and died. Yeah. See that? It's not, <laughs> it's not how it was for me. I was like, wow, that fight was over in like two minutes. Cause I was chucking grenades at him. He just fucking ate him. I was like, oh yeah, I'm grenade. I'm like, oh, come on. No, it was like grenade. And he was like, oh no. I was like, wow. Very different fights. At this point, Virgil says... The one that originally infected Virgil was Seth, which is why it has a split personality, because uh, it got infected with dust. Yep. And it quarantined part of its own mind off to resist an entire infection. And because he attempted to uh, turn you into a wanderer, you now have about 12 days before you're going to die. However, on the plus side, you have 11 days till the Lord of Dust shows up, and you need to kill him before then. Yeah, I still didn't know if this was in-game or out-of-game time. I really wanted to just stop playing the game for 11 days and see what happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that uh, was going to work on our time frame. No, but, like, I don't honestly know. <laughs> uh, so, well, at that point, you're just, like, build up base defense. Yeah, uh, Dan tells you uh, that Karen Core had a plan... They needed to build an Archon Trap, and they were going to use Sahelanthropus to take out the Lord of Dust. Yeah. You um, build your defenses up. You go get the uh, Archon Blades to set the trap. You set the trap. You have everything in place. You start the digger to uh, open up a wormhole. Meanwhile, your crew convenes. Who's going back? It uh, occurs to you somebody needs to stay behind to actually kill the Lord of Dust. As long as you're staying behind, Reeves is like, well, I'm in this from the beginning. I'm not just going to let the captain go. Miranda's like, well, if Reeves is going to stay, then I'll stay. Uh, Nick is like, I'm here now. This is my life because he's super chipper. And Dan's like, fuck it, whatever. Uh, As long as the cripple boy goes back because he's a boy. And everyone's like, yeah, Chris should go back. And so you uh, start the wormhole digger up, uh, shove the cripple through the wormhole, and uh, go and uh, start the trap. Yep. What's the Archon Blade, you might wonder? Yes. Uh, that is a, a series of four traps which shoot out a bunch of giant fucking rocks which just pierce the Lord of Dust and hold them in place. Mm-hmm. So you run over to the uh, Sahelanthropus, never get tired of saying that, and uh, you finally get to work its railgun, and you shoot this bitch right in its stupid fucking spine. Oh, yeah. And it splits him right in Twain? Fuck yes, Twain. Uh, and, and so he, he, the front part of him falls ap- away from the back part, and then you're like, we win! And then his two weird bits that aren't connected anymore start flopping towards each other, 
and then they just bind back together. Yep, it's gross and hot. <laughs> like Avatar. Oh, yeah. So, you're like, what? Okay, what do? And then, the game ruins itself. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah, it does. <laughs> it throws a lot at you right here. Is this when you also get the reveal about good luck? Yes. Yes, it is. All right, so you get this monster dump of final exposition and twists good luck is chris surprise surprise so he tells you that you succeeded in sending him to the past um hold on hold on because when he shows up is fucking ape shit oh golly i went way too far back golly gee willikers <laughs> he goes back to 1943 to the USS Eldridge in Philadelphia. Now, some of you might pick this up. That's the home site of the Philadelphia experiments. Yep, that was Chris. Cripple Boy showing up when uh, they made a whole fucking battleship disappear. Yeah. Why? Why? Of all fucking random bullshit, did it have to be the fucking Philadelphia experiment? I don't, I don't have answers. Yeah. Man. So he goes back then. The government keeps a hold of him. He works his way up through the Wardenclyffe section. Uh, Metal Gear fans know what that is. Everyone else, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like whatever. He He's like, look here, we're going to make sure to tie this all back through the Metal Gear universe and blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't care about, I don't care about good luck. <laughs> yep. At all. And he tells you that. I guess all that stuff and you need to succeed. And Virgil, uh, now that you've got all this information, uh, comes up with a plan to kill the Lord of Dust. Now, why didn't the Lord of Dust die? The Lord of Dust didn't die because the Lord of Dust doesn't know what death is. What? That's what Virgil tells you. Virgil says, uh, as an AI myself, I didn't know death, right? I'm a robot. But... When uh, Seth infected me, I felt afraid because I didn't want to not exist anymore. And so that, I realize, is death. Because Seth dies and the Wanderers dies because they were humans, they knew death before they were introduced to the dust. The Lord of Dust, being pure dust, doesn't know death. And then Virgil's like, I can teach him death. By fusing with him. And after I do, then you can kill him. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the whole thing with uh, Chris really being good luck irritated me. Like, I thought it was an unnecessary twist, but whatever. Yeah, you're shoe shoehorning in a twist to just have one. But it's, it's not that bad. Fine, whatever. But the only reason you can't kill your main antagonist is because it doesn't have a fucking concept of death? What the fuck is that? Really? That's what you're going with? Yeah, it's, it's really stupid. Uh, which is great, though, because gameplay-wise, it's the dumbest thing. You shoot the Lord of Dust. He does this whole flopping back together bit. You get massive exposition dump. Virgil then flies into the gaping maw of the Lord of Dust. And you run back to the Salanthropus, yeah. <laughs> yep. And get back in the railgun, fire it once. The only thing you do is run to the Metal Gear and fire it in between. Yep. 
and this just kills the Lord of Dust. What? There's no gameplay there. Like, they were like, we just need more exposition. Yeah, that's that's what kills me. When you're uh, operating the Sahelanthropus' railgun, you like you wait for it to charge, and then you basically just line up the shot. It's not engaging. Nope. And then you uh, take the shot, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. You shoot the Lord of Dust. He, now that he knows what death is, crumbles and dies. Yep, just fucking crumbles away. Yep. Everyone's like, we're so sad. And then Virgil flies out of the Lord of the Dust and is like, I'm still alive. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, Virgil's all like, I was built to take a nuke. I can take that. On the plus side, I've only got the one personality now, so I'm back to full operational capacity. Woo! Hit credits. Yeah. Uh, credits roll. Post credits. Okay, so the, this was also really dumb. Post credits, it's just the Metal Gear Survive logo. Yeah. And then there's background talking. Yep. Of good luck predicting that a wormhole is going to open on Mother Base, which is the wormhole you went through. Yep. To Gruen. Then it doesn't happen because you killed the Lord of Dust. Good luck's like, they did it. Now I'm going to work to save you guys. And that that's the end of the game. Yeah, it's uh, Gruen bitching that the wormhole doesn't open and good luck's like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Now I can save him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, Up till the very end. Gameplay mechanics aside, because survival games generally aren't my bag. This was okay. Up until you get the final twist of uh, Cripple Boy is really good luck the whole time. Uh, Dollar Store Lawrence Fishburne. And uh, the Lord of Dust can't die because it doesn't understand what death is. Like, I liked it up till then, and then it just fucking fell to pieces. It, Sing- it wasn't good. It was just... single playerly. I felt it was all right. Um, yeah. It, I kind of enjoyed exploring and finding the new recipes to build better gear. Uh, honestly, the balancing thirst and hunger, it never felt like an issue to me. It's really only an issue... Really early? Yeah. So, like... Because you, you get a hold of it fairly quickly. Yeah. So, as you get your upgrades, they, they come pretty quickly. And as you get them, you feel just, like, that you can explore more. That you take down wanderers easier. You feel more powerful, more ability to explore and do interesting stuff. The problem then becomes is that there's not interesting stuff to do. No, you very quickly do everything that there is to do it's just the constant loop of doing it more yeah that's what i wish there were some more like really interesting areas to explore like a cave you can go into but you know so it's this like labyrinthian type area that maybe has a lot of cool stuff in it but you know you really have to worry about can you get back out but there's none of that no, no, and that's the issue with Solo, uh, especially once you finish the campaign. You don't really have anything to do. Yeah, your base runs itself. Yeah, at this point, you've got enough people, uh, your shit does its own thing. Uh, so we will just, we need to talk about this. The multiplayer gives you way better items than anything in the single player. Holy shit, yeah, it does. So there's no reason to do anything in the single player. Every day that you log in, you get a daily bonus. Daily bonus! Uh, and we haven't gotten to those uh, kick-ass microtransactions yet. Yeah, we'll talk about it. 
Uh, you get a daily bonus of uh, bullshit Konami points. Uh, survival points, I believe they're called. Yeah. Um, as well as something small and random. Yeah, you either double up currently yes. on survival points, or it gives you uh, different crafting material. Rags, adhesive. Bottles. Bottles. The very yeah. basic stuff. Yep. Which is fine. You get Those are your daily login bonuses, but then there's... Um, daily like quests they're usually like kill some wanderers or this and that uh kill x amount of wanderers in uh pick a fashion backstab or use a spear or whatever acquire so many crafting items or hunt uh x amount of animals but one they have every day is get two a ranks or better on a on a multiplayer game so there is a lobby you can go into uh, to play with your friends, or you can do quick matches. <laughs> you can attempt a quick match. All right, so first of all, this unlocks, like, when you save the cripple boy. Yeah, uh, you can get to the multiplayer stuff fairly early, uh, like, but it recommends that you be level 20. Which, does it say that in the game? Because I never saw that in the game. The It does in the multiplayer lobby. Okay. Because, yeah, we tried it at level, we were like level six. Yeah, we tried it real early. Um, the easiest mission in multiplayer, the enemies are level 20. So um, it's not so much that they recommend level 20. It's so much that if you're not at least like level 18, it's impossible. Yeah, uh, they want you to be level 20 and they fucking mean it. Yeah, but once you actually start getting above level 20, uh, you can start running these missions, and the easy ones are great for getting resources. The oh, the easy the easy missions, um, which there's uh, it's all base defense stuff. You need to defend the digger. Well, I mean, there's a second one, but we'll talk about that. I guess we'll talk about that right now because uh, it's really quick to talk about. Because yeah, there's two mesh- mission types. There's the uh... base defense. You defend the digger, yep. and then there's rescue the people where you rescue the people. Um, the rescue of the people, we never completed ever. No. Because there's a boss monster that will ruin your life. Yeah, it just fucks your shit up. Yep. Again, maybe if we had four people, but as the two of us, we couldn't get it to work. No. But the base defense, uh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, it, it also doesn't matter because the rewards are so much better for the base defense yep. that why would you even bother running the rescue missions? Easy actually gives you some really nice stuff. And then once you get to normal... It starts giving you, uh, what, their purples are legendaries? Yes. It starts giving you legendaries, uh, which you can't get in the single game until you can start defeating bosses. Yeah, which you have to complete the story before you can do. Yeah. So, I by the time I completed the story, I was mostly decked out in legendaries, which is why the final battle was a joke. They're like, here's waves of enemies, and I'm like, meh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, sure. Because we've, we were playing multiplayer, like, the whole time. Because multiplayer um, is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate the uh, solo campaign. Like, it's... I enjoyed the exploration. There's parts of it I like. The story is okay. Eh, it's enough to keep me going. The multiplayer is actually enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, you and I would hop into a lobby. We would pick a location. And we would start the uh, digger, which just gets energy and we just have to defend it mm-hmm. you would get occasional side quests like uh, 
pick up the energy balls that are laying around, the iris energy, or um, pick up the materials crate, which is guarded by a detonator who, when he sees you, just explodes. But you can take him out and then harvest a shit ton of stuff off of him. Mm-hmm. And then you take that back to base and you guys split the rewards. Yeah. One of you might be defending the base while the other is grabbing some side missions. Uh, it's just endless hordes of zombies, which you have to mow down either with your bows or your guns. And you'll start burning through ammo. Eventually, you can, like, doing this gets you so many more recipes for, like, crafting turrets or uh, really interesting ammo rounds that then make you stronger and give you legendary items which make you stronger which means you can do the hard missions which uh, we eventually s-ranked some hard missions yep. uh, thanks to turrets turrets are great once you start once you unlock the recipe for the turrets you can start building them you can start running them solo and you get an s rank on yeah i could i very easily can s rank normal missions i was doing it earlier today just to do it yeah it still confuses me I, the multiplayer section of the game should be way more fleshed out. There's like five locations. Uh, let's see. What do you have? The mine, the airport. And the jungle. The jungle. Then the uh, town. Yeah. And then the base. Yeah. Yep. There's five locations. If there were more locations or some more like interesting dailies and stuff with that, Man, the multiplayer is the only reason I still might play this game. Yeah. And I still might. Yeah, that it, it sounds weird, uh, given all the hate. And uh, like I, I don't get it, but the multiplayer is actually kind of entertaining. And like I wish we would have had more people. There was a couple times where I would attempt the uh, quick match. Yeah. There's not enough people playing this game that I ever got to join a quick match. I would hate to also do a quick match because then they'd be like, it's good to communicate with someone and I turn all the sound on the game off. So... It, oh, sure. <laughs> However, as many times as you and I were running the multiplayer missions, you don't need to talk to somebody. Like, even if you got some rando who's like running around doing whatever, there's not that much variety in it that sure. you could figure out what it is that they're attempting and you can either guard the base... Or set up enough defenses that you can run some of the side missions and just ensure that you get an S rank. You can do it solo. If somebody else is there fucking around, good on them, but you don't need them. Yeah. And the rewards are so fucking good for doing it. Yeah. It feels, I don't know, ill-balanced. Oh, definitely. Like, you can go and hit the different transporters in solo. And the second map especially gives you a bunch of blue materials so you can craft better shit. Or... You can run one multiplayer mission, even solo, and get more of the same for doing that. Yeah, and it's way more engaging. Yeah. It's not just material collection, like you're actually doing something. Yep. Uh, so, I guess we just talk about the microtransactions and uh, then the game as a whole. So, people also um, go in on the microtransactions in the game, which I get. Oh, uh, definitely. The game is $40. Yeah, given the $40 price point, the fact that there's... And it's not the microtransactions, it's how much they cost. Yeah, the very first thing that you get into is um, $10 for an extra save slot. 
Yeah, you get to make one character. You paid $40 for this game, assumedly, unless you got it on sale. But... And it's $10 for an additional save slot? It shows, like, three save slots locked, right? Yep. Why don't they just give you four? Like, here's the funny thing. If I... I don't know if I'd want to make another character. I, I don't know why you'd want to bother. Like... Up until the very end, there's almost no reason to. Well, at the uh, end game, when you open up the different classes you can pick. Correct. That's the only reason. Yeah, but you can hop between the different classes at any time. Correct. As long as you have the uh, Cuban energy, you can level them all up. Yeah, and running the multiplayer missions, even solo, you get enough that you can level them up very quickly. Yeah. There's no reason why you would need a second save slot unless you've got multiple people that want to play the game yeah so like that never bothered me i don't there's a booster that gives you extra battle points and cubans and stuff the battle points i kind of get because there's different events that go on yeah where the more battle points you accrue overall give you different rewards also you can use these points to buy stuff in their battle point shop Mm-hmm. But you don't need a booster because you get the Cuban energy quickly. Like e- even the solo, you uh, down a wander, you can harvest it for the energy, or you can run one of the multiplayer missions, get a fuck ton of it. You know, it's usually a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, which is enough to level up generally until you're yeah. a higher level, and then you have to do it twice. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes you still get enough in one go. Yeah. So, like, the the boosters don't... You don't need them. No, I never... Like, I was kind of sad I never got to try out a booster just so I could, you know, we could talk about how it, what it does, what it feels like. But, like, I never needed it, and I didn't get enough coins from daily rewards until the very end yeah. to get a yeah. one-day booster. And I was like, eh. Like, even at that point, legitimately, like, what what's the point? You don't need it. I do think that the microtransactions are just, it's just money grubbing. It's like the name. Why is Metal Gear on this game? Because they want more money. Which uh, I think I'm going to now tie into the overall game. Uh, I don't think they should have done. I think that this game could have actually been uh, a good game. I don't know if I'd necessarily go good. Um, It has a lot of things I like in it. It does a lot of things wrong. But they're constant small things that they do wrong. Yeah, the keyboard layout is weird. And yep. that's annoying. But eventually you get used to it. Uh, you can't mute the game in the game. Which is so dumb. It's not an option. Can you not? Nope. Damn. Yeah, I had to mute it using uh, just my actual like volume control. Which, again, so I had to go in because I was listening to something else on my computer. So I had to use the volume settings. Yeah. Which, why should I have to do that? Like, you should, you can turn off the music, but you can never turn off the voices. They don't give you that option. Well, eh, music. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that. Why is that there? Uh, why does it have to tie back into Metal Gear? Why uh, is the ending so, so stupid? The multiplayer, I can't, like, why aren't there more people to play with? Because that's really just, like, you need to bring the people. If, you know, the fact that we were both playing it was great. I think if we had more people, it would have been nice, but that's life. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, the first time, first couple times we ran the uh, hard missions, 
we were going for the S rank. We didn't get it. We completed it. And we uh, got A both yeah. times. I mean, the very first time we did. Oh, no. The very we first failed. time we failed. There was certainly the challenge there, and we were underleveled for it. And, like, that's. There wasn't any bullshit as to why we didn't get it. We weren't prepared for it. Completely okay. Mm-hmm. But even that, like, it was enjoyable. Yeah. If there were more people, we would have had it. There's a good chance, yeah. On uh, on easy and normal, you and I handle business. Yeah. We don't need more people. No. On hard now, we could complete it and get an S rank, but we got to work for it. If there were more people, no, I, I'm with you. I think it would be more entertaining. Like, there's the strategy that goes into it. It's not just uh, stand here, shoot gun, hope for best. Like, you, we had to think about what we were doing as we were doing it, yeah. or we weren't going to accomplish the goal that we were going for. We could complete it, but we were going for that S rank. We had to work for it. And then there's actually even harder dailies and weeklies. There's ones that are, like, level 50. Like, I, if we had more people, I would love to try... Like, things that are actually, like, level 50. Uh, I think it goes up to level 60. 65. Yeah. Well, that sounds interesting, because that sounds like that's going to be hard. Yeah. But I would want a full squad for that, because that's going to be hard. I think you probably need a full squad for that. Considering I think 60 is actually the maximum level for you. If the enemies are level 65, that's going to suck! <laughs> yeah. They're going to make you earn that. Yeah. But that's exactly... If I was online not really doing anything, and you were like, hey, do you want to run a mission or two and survive? I'd probably be like, sure. Because they're entertaining. And, you know, you're with friends. Have friends. That's, uh, I think, a uh, big conclusion here. Yeah, uh, I know we've uh, <laughs> talked about it off mic before. Like, this, it, the game, is, it's not that bad. And nope. people hate on it because it's uh, Metal Gear and it's not Kojima and the whole Konami bullshit. And, and the microtransactions. Fuck and Fuck those fucking okay. microtransactions. and. Yeah, they're, they're not that bad. They're not prevalent. It's not a fucking uh, free-to-play game where it's in your face with the fucking micro- microtransactions. They're there. The multiple character thing, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But even that one, yeah, it's not forgivable because $10 for an extra character slot, that is fucking retarded when you pay 40 bucks for this game. Yep. However, as a solo player, you're only, probably only going to use one save slot. You don't need more than that. And the rest of the bullshit is unnecessary. It is straight superfluous. Sure, you can get a booster that you don't need. It's whatever. But, like, the multiplayer is really kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, inevitably, that uh, brings us to uh, the final part of us reviewing it is, who would you recommend this for, Jake? Uh, at the $40 price point, no one. I, I don't... This game isn't worth $40. Uh, because of the microtransactions... You want to shoehorn in, shoehorn in $10 for an extra save slot for no fucking reason? You want a free-to-play model, then have it be free. However, I've put, a, like, a solid 50 hours into this game. Uh, I've got more than that on Steam, but that's also me, like, sitting around going through menus and shit, just fucking around. So, like, a solid 50 hours of gameplay, I'll say. Yeah. Where I actually enjoyed it. I don't think that it's worth $40, which is a weird breakdown because I've put so much time into it. But if you can get it for like five, 10 bucks, hell, even 15, if it's on sale for $14.99, I think it's worth it. So long as you can get some of your friends to play it too. Have them play it with you because the multiplayer is fun. The story's all right. If you like survival exploration games, which I don't like survival games, I still thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that's um, at $40. It feels weird because as you said, I 
think I ended up with like 48 hours in game on Steam. It feels weird to be like, even though I played more hours than I spent dollars on it, it uh, it's still probably not worth it. It it comes close, but I think that's only because we played it. If, as you said, if it was cheap and on sale and you can convince your friends to play it, I think it's actually pretty enjoyable. And I think a large part of that is playing through it with someone. So like, you know, when we would jump into the multiplayer lobbies together, we were usually around the same point in the story. So we could talk about shit going on and like it makes the game that much more interesting. Yeah, I don't think at any point uh, one of us was drastically ahead of the other. No. Uh, story or, like, level-wise. I think we were always pretty close. So that's, I think, really, like... there. There's a lot of shared experience there, and maybe, you know, that's helping this game more than you'd think. Because I think if you were just playing through it by yourself, so no real access to the multiplayer, because you wouldn't think to go there by yourself, although you should... If you stayed away from the multiplayer, you just play through it by yourself. It's not a very good game. Eh, I think even like just solo, if you're just playing it solo, it's all right. It's all right. But I think it gets above all right when you're playing multiplayer. Absolutely. And it's earned the coveted, currently the second best game we've played for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I, I have to say, like... um of all the shit that we've played so far, I've enjoyed my time with this game, which I was not expecting. Yeah, honestly, um, people have been tearing the game down, um, sometimes a lot, like yeah. ripping, giving it a zero and saying it's a terrible, horrible monstrosity against God. And um, it's not. No, it, I, it just straight up isn't. I'm assuming I, those people never actually played it. And no, just hate to hate. They hate the idea of it, which Sure, you can hate the idea of it, but that doesn't make it a bad game because it's not a bad game. Sonic 06 is a bad game. Go play Sonic and then play Metal Gear Survive. You know, it's worlds, worlds apart. That's an unfair comparison. Yes. Because Metal Gear Survive is an actual game and Sonic 06 is a fucking nightmare that never fucking ends. So yeah, this is the weird. It's... The bad game cast, and this one I don't think is bad. I think people want it to be bad because of what it represents to them, but I don't think it's actually bad. Uh, exactly. I, I understand the hate that people want to give it, not because I get it myself. I, I get where they're coming from, but it isn't deserving of that. Like, you, if a survival game's not your thing, and uh, believe me, I'm with you. Even then, it's it's still all right. It is middling, and it's the the multiplayer that brings it just above that, where it, it was enjoyable. Which I mean, we've covered, so I, I guess I'm not sure what else to say on this. It's because we don't really have anything left to say. If you uh, hate that idea, then you know, send us some hate mail. I'm ready for it. Bring uh, it. Because we got an email here from uh, a listener who identifies themselves as the guy on the front of the Tapatio hot sauce bottle. So that's fun. And uh, they're asking, since talking about guest spots, which we talked about on, I don't even know what episode that was. Big Riggs. Is there a person that you could interview for the podcast and tie the conversation to bad games? Who would it be? And what would you want to talk about? Uh, Which, again, we're talking about bad games. 
that's what we do on the podcast uh do you have anyone particularly in mind uh yeah uh this kind of leaves a question is it open to anyone throughout like uh space and time because my first thought is I, someone that's uh you know i would say no to space and time but i wouldn't necessarily say no to just anyone like on the planet well because like my joke answer is someone who would have no concept of what a video game is like uh or fucking genghis khan let's say just what yes. happened what's what what where are we what is this what's yeah see i'm not going with that but uh, an actual answer would be uh shigeru miyamoto uh, to begin with just to uh talk to the guy and say uh, thank you for my childhood but i really want to know given all the work that he's done with nintendo and all the games that he's personally been involved with what he thinks a bad game is just to get his impression of it uh it's a tough one. Like, really, um, I'm trying to think of if there's any developer that I specifically want to talk to. I can't really think of any specific person, or mainly, I haven't bothered to look them up, which, you know, I could do. I have the internet right here, but I'm not going to. I think it'd be interesting to talk to uh, some of the really big uh, streaming and YouTubing people who, you know, just their perspective on games and, like, what bad games they've played or thought about playing to try to get views because that's not self-serving at all for this podcast uh mm-hmm. I, no not at all uh and then you know if you get the excuse that you're like hey i can talk to anyone then there's a fair number of celebrities that i just want to talk to just you know. like to talk to you just to talk to or yeah i mean yeah. um i so you are not big into sports me yeah yeah no um but a lot of athletes actually play the video games of their sports and fortnite yeah like it's a huge thing in you know the nba like they all play 2k in the mlb they play the show like these guy uh nfl they all play madden these guys play these games and some of them are way more into gaming than others. And so I think it'd be interesting to talk to some of them about games and gaming and it's how it is in the professional sports leagues because they play with each other, you know, because, you know, you you try to stay with people who you are, you know, the same level of. And it'd be weird if I was just playing Madden and all of a sudden I'm playing against... I was going to say Tom Brady, but I doubt he actually plays video games. So No, he's Russell too busy Wilson. in church. <laughs> there we go. We'll go right, that's Tom Brady, right? He uh, loves sure. Jesus. Yeah, sure, why not? I, I don't know. <laughs> but how, you know, the young guys versus the old guys and, like, how much they play and if they've played all the different sports series or what, you know, I think those would be interesting conversations that I would like to have. And now we've talked for fucking ever this is actually we have crossed the two hour mark have we yes well i mean we still have to edit it yeah but long all right uh i'll keep it short with uh, my question this week uh so uh if you were a jrpg character what class of weapon do you have jrpg jrpg uh so if we're if we're being in the jrpg i i instinctively i would be a mage um, every game, both tabletop D and D wise and video game that gives me a class system 
I basically always uh, tend towards um, slinging spells and like AoE mass damage glass cannon type dudes. So I don't know if that gives me a staff or a wand or whatever. That would be my first bet. Um, if I'm not a mage, it would have to be some kind of like rapier type thing because I used to fence for multiple years. So I know how to use one. <laughs> so as I was uh, giving it some thought, um, if we're going on like a Final Fantasy sort of class list, if I had the option to be a red mage where I could uh, be a fighter and also sling, uh, sling some spells, I'm always in on that. But as far as the weapon class, I, I don't know. I, I would want... Uh, my first instinct is a sword, but uh, I know me as a swordsman. Eh, I'd rather get some distance on him. So like I would want like a spear. Uh, just because uh, spears are always fun. Or uh, if I had to pick a melee weapon, then instead of a sword, I would want uh, basically uh, an iron rod with a handle to just break other people's weapons. Could be fun. Yeah, I like my first thought is like uh, Tai Chi Chi from the Dynasty Warrior series because I always had like a just straight up iron rod, which I always thought was fucking awesome. All right, I think that's good for questions. Uh, you got a plug, probably. I don't know. Plugs. Oh, right. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jake Prey. Um, if you're listening and you're not already following the bad game uh, at the bad game cast on Twitter, you know, maybe do that. We I, by we, I mean, I I control that Twitter and I'm garbage uh, in that. I don't really tweet, uh, but if you tweet at me, I might tweet back. You should it, tweet at him. Uh, his tweets are funny. It'll because. just be garbage because that's me. Um, and then if you want to throw some questions, some suggestions, some hate mail uh, to the bad gamecast at gmail.com. The bad gamecast at gmail.com. All right. Well, shit for the bad gamecast. I've been Jake. I've been Jason. Good night, everybody. <laughs> been holding that for a while. I'm 100% keeping that in. Okay, now go. There you go. Get that good chewing in. That's a crisp sound. Is it? It's a crisp talkie. Talkie!